So it looks like we're gonna be hanging out inside for at least a little while longer. And with the colder months coming up fast, there's never been a more perfect time to stock up on all your comfy clothes. Lucky for you, you listen to the Choose Your Struggle podcast and I have a sweet deal for you today. Check out my sponsor, Pair of Thieves. They've got everything you need, from shorts to lounge pants to underwear and bras. They even have a line of Disney socks with all your favorite characters on it. But here's the best part. If you use the link in the show notes or on my podcast website and the discount code Rakuten Thieves, don't worry, that's in the show notes too, you'll get 20% off every full price item in your shopping cart. So stock up on all your comfy clothes today and help out the podcast in the process. I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Hey, y'all. I'm hard at work on season two, but as promised, I'm not leaving you with nothing to listen to. So here is a special episode of me chatting with my friend Juan on the Afternoon Chill podcast. I'm sure you're going to love it. Are you ready to take your hemp experience to a whole new level? Because if so, I want to tell you about my sponsor, Mountain Made. Their puff line of smokable flour is unreal. They meticulously source each strain from select partner farms to ensure only the highest quality product in the marketplace. When it comes to the entourage effect, nothing top strain-specific flour. It delivers the full range of all the amazing effects of CBD. I can tell you because I use it myself. With 0.7 grams of premium full flour inside of each pre-roll, you'll be ready to maximize your personal summit whenever you smoke. So check out Mountain Made today and grab a puff. They're federally compliant with less than 0.3% THC, which means they ship nationwide. All right, I'm going to grab a puff and let's get back to the episode. What is going on, guys? And welcome back to the Afternoon Chill. This is the grand opening of season two. And I got a very, very special treat for you guys, an amazing guest. Uh, he is taking his time with us um, to be here with us today from his busy schedule. He is an expert in mental and fitness. And yeah, mental and fitness help. Um, he is very professional. So guys, grand applause to my main, Jay Schiffman. Jay, what's going on, buddy? Thanks uh, for having me. It's awesome to be here. And I hope that your your listeners, if, if, if I can influence one person with this chat, then I've done my job for the day. Oh, definitely, definitely, man. They're, they're, they're going to love this segment and it's, it's going to be a great one, man. And how are you doing today? How's your day so far, Jay? It's been good. It's been productive. I've, I've, you know, trying to do everything I can to keep having an impact during these uh, unprecedented times. And, you know, it's been interesting. It's been a chance to really reinvent some parts of what I do and double down on others and leave other parts behind. So it's, it's been good. It's been challenging, but challenge can be a good thing. And, you know, as, as my, my hashtag says, if you choose your struggle, you know, you'll make sure you're going on the path towards your own personal definition of success. Definitely, 100%. I definitely agree with 100% with you, my man. And like I said, our today's topic is going to be, you know, for a substance or let's say substance abuse or mental health, whatever. You know, anybody could be struggling out there. You know, obviously me, you, you and myself, you know, we've been through our own little struggles as well. So we can see, you know, get somebody some hope, some light on there and, you know, maybe inspire them, you know, that saying, hey. You can still turn around no matter how bad things get. You can always turn around and make something great out of it. I completely agree. You know, there, there is no point if you are still breathing that hope is not possible. You know, there's a movement that uh, in, in the recovery movement, it says, you know, we do recover. And I think that that's, that's true. It's, it's uh, harder than that because there's a lot of obstacles. You know, I obviously don't want to minimize it and say that it's going to be easy because it's not, but uh, we do recover. There is light at the end of that tunnel and uh, you and I are both proof of that. Oh, definitely, man. So we, I mean, we're going to get our guests, go ahead and get them shooken up, you know, get them ready, get them fired up and Hey, <laughs> let's get some great inspirational, you know, 
segments and um, quotes in there. But let's start off with this, Jay, man. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How did everything start for you, man? Yeah, so my story is not the one that your your listeners are going to be used to. And I say that a lot because, you know, I go, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I go to a lot of events now virtually, and I don't hear my story told that often. And here's the sad thing. It's not that it's unique. It's just it's one of the ones we don't talk about. My struggles with substance misuse began as a teen, a preteen, actually, when I was diagnosed with ADHD. And, you know, this was in the, the, the mid 90s, I'm 34. And we learned, uh, it was known at the time, but it's acted on more now, that there are a lot of side effects that come with those medications. And for me, there definitely were a lot of side effects. Unfortunately, my therapist who diagnosed me with ADHD, he took those side effects as, as uh, proof that there was another issue there. And he, he gave that issue a name and he called that issue bipolar disorder. So he started treating me for bipolar over symptoms that didn't exist. They, they were side effects of, of other medication use, but he thought they were symptoms. And uh, by my late teens, I was being treated for ADHD and bipolar. And uh, that's where my struggles really began. Oh man, so so you started. They started you young, man. So I guess by the early age, you were. How long did I mean? When did you realize that you had a problem? Like let's say when you had like a full blown addiction. When did you realize you had a problem? Yeah, so I realized it at at the age of twenty three, which was uh, late uh, winter or fall of two thousand nine. By that point, I'd been struggling with it for about three or four years. Uh, it got worse and worse, obviously, along that way. You know, what started as uh, this sort of thing where I was physically hooked, right? I was taking a lot of medication. I was taking more than I was supposed to be taking. Uh, mentally, I was learning to cope with uh, my surroundings, with my uh, everyday life by taking more and more medication. That's where it began. And that's where it begins for a lot of people. And at that point, you don't really realize it's a problem, right? I mean, it's just a part of your life. Now, you fast forward a couple of years and it's very obvious it's a problem. You know, my mornings, if I, I would wake up and if I didn't immediately take uh, a couple of pills, I would go into withdrawal, right? And at that point, you know, oh, this is bad, right? Um, that being said, it wasn't like I acted upon that immediately. In fact, it, it took a while for me to really take action. Man, I know exactly where you're coming from, Jay. Um, and those withdrawals, man, I guess anybody that's going through it, man, they know that thing is nothing to play with, man. Those withdrawals, they, it's, it's literally you're dead while you're still living. You feel everything, your whole body, like mentally, it, it messes you up, man. It, like it really does a number on you, man, on your mental yeah. health, your well-being, like everything, you know. And it's really tough to get out of it, man. And a lot of people, um, the thing I do see now often that – um. You know, they make fun of man, everybody like junkie, this and this and that. And people don't, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm probably guilty myself, man. I thought that too until I was on the other side of the shoe. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, man, it's it's something different. People don't understand, man. When someone's literally trying to get out, but it's the withdrawals, the everything's just it takes a toll on you, man. It, it literally wipes, let's say it could be three, four years. It feels like 10, 15 years, man. Yep. That's perfectly put. And, and you know, I, I, you, you brought up the language that we use to talk about this issue. And, and the thing is that the language is very important. And, you know, you, you, you said that really well, that we used to dismiss this and you still see that some, and, and I agree with you, we're all guilty of it, you know, some more than others, right? You know, but, but uh, my grandmother, you know, per perfect example, after seeing me go through this, still used the word, you know, oh, he's just an alky not long ago. And I was like, Grandma, you can't say that anymore. Come on. Like, what year is this? You know, <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, that it is important because stigmatizing language like that, it makes us treat people differently. Right. And, and what I always say when I'm speaking is if you can't replace what you're saying about a person struggling with substance misuse with the word cancer, you're doing it wrong. And a lot yeah. of people are doing it wrong. No, definitely 110%, man. And that affects a lot of people because they get scared, you know, people that like, they might get judged on, like, you know, just a bad, uh, just a bad reputation family i've seen cases man that um family disowned them and a lot of stuff man i was actually one of the lucky guys man i actually you know i got i got into a heavy 
I went into rehab, man. I did what I had to do. And I actually, I was going through a lot of stuff as well because people don't understand, man. Even after, let's say, even after you get clean, man, you still have to remember, you have to deal with the repercussions, all the damage you did when you were still doing that, you know, whatever you had. So even after you get clean and still that, you still have to keep a strong head, a strong focus because it's, you have to deal with all the damage that you already did when you were doing all that stuff, you know? And um, I feel good, man, because uh, I was, uh, one time it happened, you know, I had one to talk to a little um, uh, rehab house, man. I told him how my story, how I got out of it, that it's, it's not impossible. You guys could do it, man. But it does, it takes, it, it, it takes some guts, man. It takes some, some cold, hard, still Ironman nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know? I, I'm so glad you said that about, you know, we have this misconception and I, and I actually blame Hollywood for this because yes. in the movies, you see the person, he goes to rehab and he's like, that's it, I win, I'm cured. And like, that's not how this works, you know? Like you go to rehab and when you come out or if you go to rehab or if you just decide you're gonna, you're gonna stop using or whatever the case is, that's you're back at square one. That's not victory. That's just, all right, now I gotta keep doing this work. And it's it, you're you're not wrong, man. It's it's a lot of work. Definitely, man. And yeah, it's it's once you get out, man, it's not right. I did um I didn't did um inpatient. I did outpatient. So I had a I was lucky, man. I had a doctor and uh I had a supportive. I don't want even to say supportive friends or family, man, because all that gets really mixed up, man. So I probably had one or two people that had my back and that were actually cheering me to keep on going, man. But yeah, man, it, it gets hard, man. You you lose the support system. Everybody sees you differently, man. And you're just there trying to, you know, you made a mistake and you're trying to fix it, man. And we're all, we, you know, we all we all do something, man. And especially now at times, it, it, a lot of things are normalized, you know? You know, like weed, it's normalized. And that's not even a problem, you know? We, that's fine, whatever. And a lot of stuff are getting normalized. And you're right, Hollywood, man, they make it seem so easy, so simple. And even some of the, like, like, the rap songs, man, you know, talking about all like, yeah, do this drug, do this, do that, man. I'm like, yo, that's not cool, man. And like the kids, they're listening to that, growing up to that, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I listen to it too, but just, you know, cause it sounds good, but talk a lot of shit. <laughs> no, you know, I think what's really important to say is that it, it, it's, you're not wrong. And I grew up, I mean, uh, my, you know, listen to almost nothing but rap. And, and so I'm with you on that. I think we need to start having, honest conversations with people coming up about drug use and that's never happened right you know yeah you've got the the songs and movies or whatever the case is that sort of you know sexualize using drugs and make it seem to be nothing but amazing and then you have a lot of these campaigns like just say no or dare which leads you to think that if you use drugs once you're gonna die like it's it's there's no middle ground there's no honesty there's no there's no nuanced conversation that you know yes drugs can be great they can also be very harmful know what you know misuse looks like know what to what to do if you think you may be struggling we don't have the those conversations and and so people have to pick up information here or there and we see what happens people don't make the best choices because they don't have the best information oh man you have no idea how like how a hundred thousand percent i agree with you man because <laughs> that's what i'm saying like this pocket i'm trying to put like like informative information but that's real you know it's real it's not it's not it's not a beautiful lie it's a hardcore truth man and you might not like it but it's a freaking truth man um and a lot of doctors man i had a buddy that's that was going to it man a lot of doctors believe it or not man they actually want to keep you on whatever thing so they can keep getting money from you you know i see cases like that you know they yeah it's keep you it's, on. it's tough because you know it, it, it again it's so nuanced and so personal there are a lot of people who you know these um medically assisted treatments can be really helpful for but we also have a lot of doctors who you're, you're not wrong i mean i am living proof of that that there are medical professionals who who are mm -hmm. making really bad choices you know that's what happened to me right i got over prescribed uh, i got misdiagnosed and i i attempted suicide twice i overdosed it was terrible yeah so 
what I'm trying to say is that, you know, not all doctors are good and not all doctors are bad. We have to take every tool in the toolbox. We can't be saying, no, that one doesn't work or only this treatment because that's just not how this works. People are people and what's going to work for you isn't going to work for me. And what's going to work for me isn't going to work for the next guy. So we really have to be willing to try different methods to see what's going to work for each person. 110 percent 110 percent the doctors you know uh it's it's, it's crazy man it, it's 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 really unbelievable man it makes you feel like you know you just want there just to milk the money out of a, a patient and all of them are right there some of them are like really good some of them trying to help you but you know you you have to do your research guys you have to do your research have yeah. to look out there give a call man and, and take your time with it man you know take your time it's it's a slow pro it's a slow process, but if you take your time, you you could overcome anything. Most of it, it's mental, man. It's really mental, you know, because all the damage you did to your brain and or all the drugs you did. But it's it's literally a mental step. But like you said, it could be done, and you have to do your research, and you just have to keep a strong positive, you know, strong head. Hundred percent, and I think it's so important to say that. And so let's let's focus on that for a second because if perfect example, right? My grand, my um aunt is is currently going through cancer treatment, and she has gotten three or four different opinions for every single step of the way. Every single one. Should I take you know try this treatment? Should I have that surgery? She has had so many different opinions, right? But a lot of people only go to one therapist, and it's like, why is that? You, if, if you wouldn't rush into treating your body this way, why would you rush in to treating your mind this way? And, and, you know, that's something that I speak about a lot because, you know, I, I like to joke that you wouldn't go to your proctologist to have your teeth cleaned. Why would you go to the <laughs> same therapist for every single thing that has to do with your mental health? Therapists are good at different things. And I live that personally. You know, I went to a, a new therapist about a year ago and we were doing really well, like really well. And then we got to a point where I wanted to start doing some trauma work and we kept working together for about. I don't know, three or four weeks. And it changed. Our work wasn't going very well. And finally, I said, hey, man, you know, it really feels like we're not getting anywhere. Is it possible that this just isn't, you know, your specialty? You're, you're not great at trauma work. And he said, man, he honestly, he said, man, I'm so glad you said that. I've been feeling like I'm not delivering for you the best way that I should. Maybe you should go see somebody else and come back to me when you want to keep doing general work. And that's what I did. And it's been great. But if I hadn't have said that, you know, he was too nervous. I don't know if it's, if it's because they're trained to just, you know, keep going forward or whatever the case is. But he was too nervous to say to me, hey, I don't think this is working right now. And I'm glad I spoke up and, and I, I advocate for more people to do that. Specialize with your mental health. You know, if you're going to someone and it's not working out, it's, it's not because they're bad. It's just because that relationship isn't great. Go try somebody else. 100%. You have, yeah, you literally, yes. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. You have to have a connection with your doctor and your therapist. Yeah. Anybody helping you, you have to have a connection and you have to have trust, man. Uh, I was lucky, man. I even went on the better help app, um, you know, to get some stuff and um, yeah. definitely helped me out. And, but let me tell you one thing. I mean, let me, let me ask you a question, Jake. How many, when you were going through everything, man, how many doctors did you saw? Is there a number you saw? How many therapists you saw? Did you switch them up? Like, how do you recommend to somebody start? Yeah. Like, start getting help. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, my story, like I said, you know, I was doctor, like, like I was misdiagnosed. And so I am sort of a different background on this. I didn't get a second opinion. I was, I was a kid, you know, and, and my parents and my whole family trusted this, this therapist. And for a good reason, he was known to be one of the best therapists in, in the city I grew up in. That being said, it's more accepted now to say, okay, you're giving my kid this diagnosis. I'm going to go get another opinion and then we'll chat. And so I definitely think if you're listening to this and you, you know, you got a diagnosis or your child got a diagnosis, don't be afraid to say to that therapist, thank you so much. That's, you know, really heavy news. We're going to go get a second opinion and then we'll be back. You know, if they tell you not to, or they protest or something, that should be a red flag that, okay, maybe this isn't the best situation here. 
So I definitely think, number one, don't be afraid to go see a therapist. Many of them, most of them are wonderful people, very good at what they do. But if you're hearing something that either A, you don't agree with, or B, like I said, it's just, I mean, that's a big deal. If you get a diagnosis like I did of bipolar disorder, that's a big deal. Don't be afraid to go chat with somebody else. So I wish that would have happened for me. It didn't. And, you know, who knows if my story would have been different if my parents said, wow, you're giving my son a, a pretty life-changing diagnosis. We're going to go chat with someone else and see if they agree. Oh, man. And see, that's, yeah, you didn't have to say, man, you're a kid. So you pretty much went with the flow, man. And it put you like in such a bad predicament. It's because, you know, even though you do recover and everything gets better, you know, you're kind of normal. You still never get to be a hundred percent normal, you know, and that's just speaking the truth, man. You still have, you know, feel a little weird nowadays, but you still feel great because, because you did it, you know, you did. Yeah. It. You gotta have that mental power, the mental health, and um, you just gotta, you know, you have. It's, it's it's hard to describe, man, but I, I do recommend to tell all of our audience that are listening out there they have a problem like that, man. Listen to Jay, man. He's he is a very professional guy. Get help and ask questions. Remember. The one that doesn't, there's the same, man. There's a quote. Let me see if I can remember. The quote is, the one that asks a question is only a fool for a minute. But the one that doesn't ask a question is a fool for the lifetime. Beautiful quote. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, the thing is, is that I don't blame people who are afraid to ask because we, so two parts to this. Number one, we have been taught for a long time, especially us as men, but people, period, that vulnerability is a sign of weakness, right? And, and, and there's nothing scarier than saying, I don't know, because we've been taught that that's a bad thing. And it's not, it's a wonderful thing. Because if you say, I don't know, it's a chance for you to learn. So that's number one. But number two if you are going along with like like you were just saying, if you were sort of pretending or or you're you're you don't ask that question, you could end up in a wonderful situation or you could up end up in a bad one, but you're not gonna be operating with the same sort of education that you could be or even should be. You know, again, back to my my aunt story. She asked multiple opinions for every little step of the way. And that's been really helpful for her. You know, she was about to get a surgery done that two other doctors said, I don't think you need this. And, you know, she didn't get it done. Imagine if she went through with that surgery. Maybe it goes fine. Maybe there's a complication. Who knows? But she didn't need it. And she asked that question. So the same thing with me, you know, yes, I didn't really have a say in the thing. I was a kid. But if I had a kid now who was being diagnosed, I would say thank you for that diagnosis, you know why do you think that is? I would get them to spell this out for me. And then I would go somewhere else and say, hey, you know, this is what this therapist said. Do you agree? And even if they only agree part of the way, I would say, all right, we're not moving forward with that. Let's keep working on this until we get a consensus or until we figure out what the right step forward is. And get all the cards, get all your cards right, mm -hmm. do your homework, do your research, get right. everything you have to do, man. You have to. It, it's a must and it's a necessity because nowadays doctors make, they're humans too, man. They make mistakes. That's they right. make mistakes. Right. You know, they yeah. make mistakes. And I say that because I've been accused before and, and I've been speaking publicly now for about five years and I've gotten, quite frankly, I've gotten way better at it. Uh, early on, I used to get accused of being anti-medicine, anti-doctor. And finally, I started putting into my speeches, I want to be clear, when you hear my story, I am not anti-doctor. I do think that these medications, while incredibly overprescribed, are helpful for some people. But doctors and therapists are humans, and humans are fallible. And unfortunately, I was one of the ones that that they made a mistake on, you know? And so we can't go with this attitude that, nope, if a doctor says it, you know, because those labels stick, right? I mean, theoretically, there's still a medical uh, whatever out there that says that I have bipolar disorder, even though those symptoms have not been the case for over a decade now, because that was the label I got when I was a teenager. So we need to be willing to question everything, but we also then need to be willing to have that relationship with our doctor to say, you know, why are you prescribing this? Is this really the most helpful thing? You know, what, what is the plan? Because that was never discussed. Oh man, see, 
yeah, it's 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 sad and it's it's upsetting that you know we we have to deal with that. And especially you know, uh, let's say anybody has a problem, you know, they go in very vulnerable. You're they're very vulnerable. They don't know what's going on. They're already nervous or they're whatever's going through their head, you know. And and a lot of them they go get help once you know because they probably run out of they don't have money, they don't have the drug, and they go on withdrawing. So they don't think right. They all they want is like fix me, help me right now, you know. So, and sometimes doctors help that or take advantage of that, man. Um, but, you know, you just got to, like, read the main thing, do the research, man. And, um, Jay, a question, man. How did you start your uh, your um, rehab? Like, your, did you go to detox or how was it? How was your process, man? Yeah. So, you know, remember that at the time, I still thought that I had this diagnosis of bipolar disorder, right? Mm-hmm. So, in the summer of 2009, I, like I said earlier, I attempted suicide twice and I overdosed. And that is where, you know, at this point, the, the fact that I had a problem could no longer be denied and I wasn't hiding it anymore from anyone, clearly. So I, uh, I, I overdosed and I, that night, like, I don't really remember a lot. You know, I was going through overdose. The last thing I remember is being handcuffed and let out of my house because uh, people that cared about me had called 911. And unfortunately, in this country, if you call 911, who's going to show up but the police? And this cop had no idea what to do. I was overdosing. And so he did the thing that he was taught to do. He arrested me. So uh, I was... I, right. So I was thrown in the backseat of his cop car. The last thing I remember is having my head slammed into the side of his car. That's the last thing. And the next thing, like I have little moments throughout the night, but I spent the night handcuffed to my bed at the hospital. Uh, the next day, sort of like a scene out of a movie, my my reality zooms back in and I'm in a lockdown unit like, you know, no shoelaces uh, no belt, like that kind of unit, right? Yeah. At a local hospital. And I spent three weeks there. And at the time, again, my, my label was still bipolar disorder. So they're still treating me like I have bipolar disorder. I, I left there after three weeks and was sent to live in a uh, long-term care facility, what we would have called 50 years ago, a mental institution in um, Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And it was there that I finally realized that I had, uh, you know, my issue was substance misuse and not not this uh, diagnosis, because I got to meet people with both bipolar disorder and struggling with substance misuse. And I went, oh, you know, I don't recognize that. I definitely recognize what's going on over there. So uh, I made the choice there to get off my medication and my, you know, my, my therapist back home didn't like that idea. The therapist in this long-term care facility didn't like that idea. And I did the only thing I could. I checked myself out and went to live with my grandparents in a little town in Arizona. And while I was there, I went through uh, what's called step-down detox because I was on so many medications uh, and including, I was taking one of them at such a high level that if I had just stopped taking all of it, if I had gone cold turkey, I would have died. So I had to go through what's called step down. And it took me almost four months of doing a little bit less, you know, every couple of days until I was finally off of everything. And uh, that was the spring of 2010 uh, that I finished my detox. And then like we were talking about earlier, had to start rebuilding my life. Man, and see, and it's, Man, it's crazy because when it like yourself, man, it gets to that part that you just don't know what to do yourself. And you attempt suicide, man, and you you did it twice, man. I'm so happy, so glad you're here. And look, man, you have a purpose, man. <laughs> you didn't go to the other side. You're here because you have a purpose, man. And you're such a great guy, man. You're an amazing person, and you're trying to help everybody out because you know you you see you see it differently, man. You're actually you're actually very lucky, man, because you see the world different now. You know you see how bad it could be, how good it could get. And you appreciate life more, man. Even the, the air smells Definitely. better, you know? It smells better. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with that. And, 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 you know, the fact that I'm in recovery is the number one motivator for what I do. You know, I, I uh, this is my career now is, is speaking and writing and podcasting uh, about this issue um, and, and mental health and drug use. And, you know, I, I, look, we, you and I could talk forever about the horrible policies that this country has always operated on around drug use and how it's really just terrorized entire generations of people. But 
that's what I do now because like you were perfectly saying, I saw the good and the bad on this and I lived through something that I shouldn't have had to, to live through, but it made me this person I am today. And it motivates me every single day. Yeah, man, look, look what you got molded into, man. This this great, amazing guy, man, you know, trying to make a difference in the world, you know. And like, it's, like you said, man, even if we change one person's life, man, that's that's something, man. That's good enough, that's right. you know. That's, that is great enough for me, man. I'll take that any day, man, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, it's funny. We were talking about rap earlier, and I, um, I there's an Eminem quote. Uh, that I use for everything I do when I speak, when I podcast, when I get interviewed, whatever. And he says, if there's one kid out of a hundred million who's going through a struggle and feels he can relate, that's great. And so that's my mantra, right? Is that if I can reach one person, because those waves matter, you know, whether it's, it's someone who hears this and goes, you know, I can recover or someone who hears this and goes, maybe I should get a second opinion on what's going on with me or my kid. Or, you know, I gave a speech to a bunch of elderly people not long ago. And in that setting, you know, none of them are struggling. Maybe their grandkid is struggling. Maybe their kid is struggling. And so you don't know what those waves can do. And so if I go into everything going, I just want to have one impact with this. I, I'm never let down because I always have at least one impact. Yeah. If we could change one life, man, that is, that is one life better. That is one life. Cause you never know that person might be able to change a bigger difference. You know, it just, it's a, it's, it just keeps going, man. You know, it's That's like right. small, small, the snowball effect, you know, it just keeps getting bigger until, you know, we, we actually make a big difference, a big change. That's right. That's exactly right. The snowball effect is is real, uh, and and it, and it happens. I mean, you know, my my speaking experience is proof of that. I said no multiple times to the first time somebody asked me to speak about being in recovery because I was so scared. You know, the stigma around this is is very real. And when I finally said yes, it immediately launched my career. Uh, I've been speaking ever since, and it's going on five years now where I've been able to have this impact, and it completely changed my life. So, you know, that one speech, it, we like to, to infanticize this idea about the overnight success, but that's not real. There's no such thing as someone who just wakes up the next day and they're a success. It's these little things you do every day that have a real impact. I... I was just having that conversation last night with a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, we, like I said, I, I changed my whole life, man. And it, it took little steps, man. You know, I was going even through my, um, through my rehab, my recovery, I lost a lot, you know, I lost jobs. I lost my marriage. I lost a lot, man. So right now I recuperated everything. And I was telling my buddy, man, I was like, man, I took little steps, little steps, little steps. And eventually I got the momentum going, which was just, I just kept going because it, it excited me. I liked doing what I had, like I was doing. And, you know, you just got to keep going. And yep. a lot of things I like to tell, like, uh, like when I was talking at the little, um, at, the, at the house, I was telling them that it's like, no matter what, man, what bad it is, how bad it could get. Like, like I said, you can always change it. And the main thing you always have to keep, even though it's harsh, and know it sounds harsh, but you have to remember, you have to do it for yourself, man. Because if you don't do it for yourself, no one, I'm sorry the language, no one gives a fuck about it, okay? <laughs> like, you have to do it for yourself. Most important, man, you have to love yourself. You have to do it for yourself. And you have, just get that hustle out of you, you know, get the, the, the fire out of you and do it, man. And I'm hyped up just listening to you talk uh, everything, man. I can see how great you are, man. And I can't wait to, like, my audience are going crazy, man. Trust me, they're going crazy. <laughs> well, thank you. And and it's so right, man. I, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about my rock bottom moment. And for me, that was in a city called Johnstown, Pennsylvania in, in, in on January 2nd, 2010. I was driving cross country from Massachusetts to uh, this little town in Arizona where I was going to go through detox at my grandparents. And I've been in a car accident and my car wasn't driving well. And there was just no way I was going to make it to Arizona. So I pull off the highway in Pennsylvania, middle of nowhere. And I'm sitting on this carpet, uh, this dirty truck stop, uh, truck stop carpet in the middle of Pen nowhere, Pennsylvania. And I did what most people do in the rock bottom moment. I reached out to a higher power. And for me, that higher power never came. You know, I just got nothing. And so that night was miserable, but eventually I had the same realization you were just talking about. I have to do this shit for myself. 
I have to put my recovery on my back. The only way I'm going to get better is if I do this shit for myself. And here I am 10 years later. So, you know, I definitely agree with you. Uh, it is, you have to, it's hard to be selfish sometimes, but you have to, in those moments, the only way you're going to get, get through it is if you are selfish and go, I have to do what's best for me at every step of the way. Selfish, relentless, not no fucks given, man. You have exactly. to, you have to, it's, it, it's a must and it's a necessity. And same thing, man. I, I didn't know I was, I didn't know where to turn. Um, family turned on me, parents left, you know, divorce, whatever, like rock bottom, man. And from where I was to where I am now, it's uh, I am a completely different person. And I feel everything's happens for a reason, man. Like everything happened and now I'm this great person. I'm hustling, man. I got this business up and rolling. And now, the, and I don't want to like say anything bad or anything like that, but now that I am a better person, I actually got stuff going for myself. Now everybody that turned the back away from me, now they want to come back in my life. They will like, say, hi, hey, how you been? Oh, hey, whatever. You know, because they see you doing good, man. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you this, guys, anybody listening, like to everybody that's listening, have this problem, man. Once you get to that point, it, it feels so damn good to just tell those people to fuck you, man. Like, fuck off. Leave me alone. You weren't at my lowest. I am at my best. And you feel great. You feel indestructible. You feel amazing as a person because you're like, shit, if I went through this, I went through a divorce, I went through the rehab, everybody turned their back on me and I still came through 100% all by myself. Dude, no one, nothing in this world could break you ever again. There is nothing in this world that could ever, ever break you or like you're literally indestructible because you molded yourself so strong. Like yourself too, man. Like we, we, we're strong. We feel indestructible. We feel powerful because it's like, yo, I've been through hell and back. It didn't break me down. I'm walking high and tall. You have confidence. You feel indestructible. You feel amazing. And you just feel like you could take over the world, you know? So it's, there is a reward, like the, the quote. After every, no matter what you do, whatever it is, at the end of the struggle, whatever it is, man, there is a little reward for you. If it's knowledge, if it's a million dollars, or if it's just a thank you, or just to yourself, there's a reward for you. 100%. And, you know, figuring out, I guess, you know, what that reward is, or, or, or finding that, that, that lesson in there, right? That's the most important thing. But there always is something. You're, you're definitely right. There's always going to be something, man. And a question, man. So you say you were, mis you were misdiagnosed, right? So did you struggle yeah. also with anxiety or OCD? Yes, that's right. So, um, you know, for me at least, those side effects, this is, this is where it gets a little convoluted. So those side effects uh, of the medication when I was a, a teenager were, I like to say, it was like pouring gasoline on the fire, right? So I have you know, anxiety, I've, I've struggled with depression my whole life. I've had OCD my whole life. Those things are for the most part manageable, you know, and, and when they aren't manageable, I know how to get the help I need. But as a teenager, you know, number one, you're going through puberty and we can all remember how, how tough that can be. Right. <laughs> number two, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on these, these chemicals at very high rates that are kind of doing some stuff in my brain. And number three, I've got these issues that I'm already dealing with. You add all that together and boom, you know, and so that's what my therapist was looking at. And instead of saying, all right, let's take a step back. Okay. He's, he's a 13 year old kid, 13 year old kids go through stuff, right? Uh, puberty does a number on your body, on your, on your brain. He's already on a bunch of chemicals. Maybe, you know, these symptoms are just, he suffers from depression, he suffers, whatever. He didn't do that. He just went, oh, these are all symptoms of a larger issue, right? What the fuck, so, man? So, right. So part of me doesn't blame him. He was lazy as shit, you know? He did a really poor job. But if you're not good at, at this and you see that, I would probably make the same assumption. Here's the issue. It's his job to be good at this. It's his job to take a step back and go, I already put this kid on this, this chemical, right? Maybe these are symptoms of something else. He didn't do that. So instead of learning ways to cope, instead of learning things like mindfulness, instead of maybe tweaking the medication or coming off the medication or, or even just being a good therapist, he was quick to diagnose me with something else. So I, I do struggle with these things. OCD isn't fun. Anxiety and depression aren't fun. A lot of people know that, you know, 
there is an estimation that one in five people will struggle with an issue of substance misuse or mental health in their lifetime until COVID. Now, the estimate is one in two, because there's so much going on right now that a lot of people are all of a sudden going, oh, this is what anxiety feels like. Oh, this is what depression feels like. And so those of us who really study this, there is a thinking that will come through this as a as a world more empathetic towards these issues because we'll a lot more of us will know what this feels like. That wasn't the case before. We're learning that, you know, it seems like so many people are struggling with this now. But, you know, again, being a guy who's 34 years old at the time, I was in the very rare minority of people going through this, or at least we're open about going through this. It is freaking crazy, man. And it kind of pisses me off that you went through so much shit for literally for nothing, you know, man. Literally nothing because some freaking guy was too freaking lazy or didn't know how to do his job, right? And it's, it's freaking insane and crazy, man. And how do you cope? Let's say, how do you track your mood? How do you track yeah. it? That's a great question. So um, there are three steps that I advocate, and I'll give your listeners this. These are things I work on with clients. I honestly swear by them. I do them myself. So I'll I'll say this. Number one, the first thing I do every morning, right? I get up, I got a shitty lower back. And so while I'm doing my stretches in the morning, I do positive affirmations. We are going through some shit right now. And even the best of times you're going to have throughout your day. It's easier to deal with things if you're already heading upwards instead of heading downwards. So I start my morning with positive affirmations. Just like you're going to do a great job today very good at what you do, whatever the case is, whatever works for you. That's how I start my morning. Number two, every day at lunch, my I, my phone goes off, it beeps, and reminds me that I need to take a moment for a mindfulness exercise that I swear by. And that is the daily check-in. And what I mean by that is checking in with yourself, not just going on in your, in your consciousness, because we all know, right? Right now I'm feeling hot. It's a little warm in here, blah, blah, blah. That stuff really matter if you know that you can deal with it what's important is what's going on in your subconscious because your brain is like a garden and if you don't know the weeds that are starting to sprout down there you can't deal with that shit right so if you're not checking in with yourself if you're not figuring out what's sprouting in your mind we think and feel and experience thousands of things every day most of them go without our notice some of them keep going other ones lodge in our subconscious and then they start presenting in ways that we're not prepared for so i check in with myself every day i take notes on my phone and i just say i'm feeling this i'm feeling that and at first the feelings are i'm feeling hot it's warm in this room i'm feeling hungry i haven't eaten enough today but if you keep doing that you start tapping into your subconscious so that's really important number two but number three at the end of every day I take a moment, I sit back, and I give my day a rating, one to five. And I have an app on my phone, again, that reminds me to do it. But it's easy just to say, okay, in this moment, I'm feeling. But that's not the point of this, right? The point is to sit back and go, okay, I had these great things happen. I had these really not great things happen. On a scale of one to five, or some people do one to ten, what would I rate my day? And this is really helpful for two reasons. For one, if you struggle with depression, if you if, if that's the thing you go through, it's really easy to get trapped into the, the feeling of, oh, I always feel this way. For me, having this rating means I can go back and look and go, no, it's really just been the last three days you've been feeling, oh, two. You know, most of the time I know I'm a three or a four. And so I know that if I'm down at a two, I can remind myself, okay, you're going to bounce back. This isn't where you are normally. But number two, it gives your chance, yourself a chance to actually sit with yourself for a minute. We live in a society that is just go, 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 go all the time. And so to take moments throughout the day to say, hey, how are you feeling right now? Or, hey, how did that day go for you? It's a lot easier to process these things and just take a moment to stop and take a deep breath and then get back to what you were doing. That is amazing, man. That is that, that is awesome, man. And for the listeners out there, man, do that. Do that because I do the exact same thing. I wake up in the morning. I talk to myself. I look in the mirror, man. I, I call it a trust mirror, you know, the no bullshit. <laughs> yeah, music. I love it. I see myself and I just tell myself straight up how it is. What am I doing wrong or what's my goals or what am I going to do today? And yeah, I literally talk to myself every single morning and it, it helps, man. It helps. It helps me get concentrated. And like you said, it just 
it feels like you you know you 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 kind of live like you you want to live you know you you tell how you want to live you you live in abundance pretty much you you tell exactly how you it is you can tell your mirror anything you know and that's right real you know I, I i love that man and you know my wife and i take that to this level we have throughout our house and, and on our mirrors especially because it's really easy on mirrors but we have them hanging in multiple places positive affirmations to ourselves to remind us throughout the day, right? You know, things like you are a good person or you're doing a great job or you're good at what you do, you know, and, and we do these because it's just the way our brains work. We remember 50 negative things for one positive thing. And like scientifically, the answer is because millions of years ago, it didn't really help to remember the nice thing your friend said about you. It did help to remember, hey, there's a saber-toothed tiger over there. Don't fucking go over there, right? That was helpful. So remembering negatives is just built into our brain, but they're not helpful now. It's not helpful to remember that time that person said a shitty thing about you on Twitter, but that's much more positives throughout your day. Have a better mental health. And so I advocate for Obviously, your listeners can't see this at all, but over my computer where I'm sitting right now, I have emails that people have seen. I have messages people have sent me online. I print these things out and I hang them up because when someone says something negative about me, immediately I'm like, oh, up, they're right. I'm terrible. I'm so bad at this. And then I can go stop it, literally just look up. And then all I have all these positive things there. So I definitely advocate, you know, there that that's a tried and true method. People call it different things. I call it a truth box because I had a client who literally printed them out and kept them in a box. And I just love that name. I definitely would recommend doing that for everybody. Stop yourself when you're in these negative cycles by having evidence that that one person is wrong, you know, and all these other people say you're amazing. I mean, you know, there's only like, there's what, like, well, I don't know, I'm, I don't know, like nine, mil, nine billion people in this whole entire world, and you're gonna let one or two person ruin your day, you know? That's right. You know, it, it, yeah. it's crazy. You know, you everybody's better than that, and everybody's gonna talk shit. Everybody's gonna be haters on you, man. <laughs> and you know, you just gotta do the very best thing you could do. Be your very best human, the very best stuff you could do, man. And Jake, that's what, right. So choose your struggle. How do you come out? Like, how do you, how do you build around that? How you made that? Like how you made that to your business that you are like, how do you do that? Like how? Yeah, it's a great question. So choose your struggle literally means this. When I was at my worst, right. When I, and I was, you know, uh, struggling every single day with substance misuse, I didn't get to choose what I was struggling for. I didn't. My struggle every day was to avoid withdrawals. My struggle was to get off the couch and just be a person that day. Right. Now that I'm in recovery, I get to choose again what I'm going to care about, what I'm going to try to do every day. And the second meaning is, you know, we live in this society where we're constantly forced to chase other people's definition of success, whether it's society as a whole, which tells you just get all the money you can and don't give a fuck about anyone else, or it's our parents who have said, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer or whatever. We rarely stop and say, no, but, but what do I want? You know, what do I want to, to define my, my life? So choose your struggle means that. It means take a break, step back and say, what definite definition of success do I want to care about? What definition of success will leave me most fulfilled? And then start chasing that. So make sure you're on the right path. And I decided that again, as someone in recovery, who gets to choose? And I chose this. You know, I chose the issues of mental health of substance misuse, of drug use in this country. And it all started with that speech in 2015 um, because I finally got over that stigma and said, I'm going to tell my story. Um, and then I just started accepting every opportunity. I started saying yes to everything, you know, and, and sometimes they were, you know, literally I've been on podcasts where I don't think anyone but the host and myself listened, you know, uh, it's, I've been on so many that, that I just say yes to because at the end of the day, I truly enjoy talking about these things. I truly believe they have an impact. And if you worry about, okay, is this really worth my time? The answer is probably going to be no. But as you and I talked about earlier, 
the, the, the overnight success thing doesn't happen. You, you become a success by saying yes, by doing the hard work and by building relationships with awesome people who one day, hopefully when this world reopens, you know, you and I can share a stage together and we can talk about how amazing it is that we're both in recovery. Or maybe, you know, you, I know someone that's hosting an event and they go, hey, do you know anyone else that would be great? And I'll be like, oh my God, yes, actually I do know somebody. That's how this stuff works. And so when you say yes and you build those relationships, Beautiful things come from it. Doors open up, my man. Doors open up. And funny thing about that, man, I actually made this podcast when I was going through recovery and all everything, you know, I made it because I just needed stuff to do. I wanted to keep myself busy. And I put all my energy into my podcast, my businesses and everything. And I just did it for fun. And now we're at like 20,000 followers, man, within a few months, you know, like it's, it's, it's crazy. And so I, and they they actually email me or write me be like hey can you talk about this segment this and this and that and like I was telling you earlier uh, abuse substance abuse drug abuse came up a lot you know so I know we're getting to people out there I know we're we're hitting them they're listening to us and um we just gotta try to make an impact and I, the main thing I want to tell them is like just do do exactly what Jay say like in the morning. Just give yourself like the truth, affirmations that way, because you're not lying to yourself. The, the worst thing you could do to yourself, especially if you're struggling, is lie to yourself. Be like, oh, no, I just do this one the next time. Oh, no, I'm just going to do one more. I'll be good the next time because that time never, ever happens. Stop lying to yourself, you know? Yeah. And, you know, isn't it beautiful when people, to your earlier point, when they reach out, you know, I, I think that's it just me personally. I can't speak for anyone else, but. I know because this work is thankless at times, you know, it's long, it's hard. Neither one of us is making, you know, buku bucks off it or something, but what makes it all worth it is when that person reaches out and is like, you have no idea. And so, you know, like I said, those emails and those messages that I have printed out that are hanging here, if I'm feeling on any day, like, Oh man, am I really having an impact I just look up and I read, you know, there's one from this amazing person named Haley who I just printed out because the other day she, I like, I could, I, it's hard not to like cry looking at this email that she wrote me. That's what makes all this stuff worth it. It does. Yes. I saw when those emails come in, like they're actually listening and like, and this is even in different countries, man. I mean, you were talking about yeah. Malaysia, Italy, you know, like countries of whole the Canada, you know, I have a yeah. large audience in Canada. And, um, you know, they listen out, they reach out and it makes me feel great. Like, okay, I'm not just talking by myself and I'm actually making a, a difference. I'm making someone's life better, easier advice, whatever it could be, even if it's for business, successful, or for this, what we're talking about, it, it makes a difference. And it just makes me feel really, really good, man. Like, like, yes, like I'm doing yeah. something, you know, not materialistic. It just, I'm actually helping someone out. You know, there's someone in Canada right now, be like, man, Juan and Jay, man, like, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> You know, and it, and it feels great, man, you know? It feels yeah. really, really good. Yeah, man. You know, it's crazy, actually. I'm with you. Like, half of my podcast listenership is outside the U.S. And I have had people, because I've, I've said on the podcast, if you're listening from another country, I want to hear from you. I want to know why. Like, what is it that, you know, you like about the podcast? And I've had someone reach out and say, I like your podcast because we don't get to hear this in our country. And that's when I was like, that was one of those, oh my God moments. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I can put out this thing that somebody the world over is going to get hope from because they don't get to hear this. And they're like, you know, that's what makes you feel like, okay, I'm doing something like this is worth it. It's definitely, definitely, definitely worth it. And what is your podcast name, man? It's called Choose Your Struggle, like everything else in my my brand. And, you know, you can get it wherever you get your podcast. And you can find me online by searching Jay Schiffman or Choose Your Struggle. There you go, guys. Go listen to Choose Your Struggle. I mean, my man, Jay Schiffman. And what uh, your IG is the same? Choose Your Struggle. My Instagram is the next Schiffman. S and that's S-H-I-F-M-A-N. Everything else is either Choose Your Struggle or, or, or Jay Schiffman. That one's the only one that's different. Nice. And do you have any like personal websites or YouTube videos that you make? Yeah. Jayshiftman.com is my website. Uh, the place I'm most active is LinkedIn because there's a really great community of mental health uh, and substance misuse uh, workers on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and quite honestly, you know, we see this 
on Facebook. We see people talking about this on Twitter, but until recently, people weren't talking about this on LinkedIn because LinkedIn was supposed to be buttoned up and all that BS. The thing is, here in the US, at least until COVID, we were spending just as much time with our coworkers as our families we need to be talking about this stuff in the office. And so you're seeing much more of a movement of people saying we need to talk about this stuff on LinkedIn. Definitely. I didn't even know that myself. I'm going to definitely check, check it out, man. You know, I, I thought so too. LinkedIn just like business professionals and like, you know, started hardcore businessman like that, you know, I had no idea. So I'm definitely going to check that out, man. Yeah. And Jay- find me and, and, you know, there's a, it's a great community. I'm, I'm really happy to be part of it. You heard that, guys. Go check my man out on LinkedIn. And Jay, let's say if you had advice, what advice would you give to anybody on any of our audience right now? They're listening right now. They're scrolling through us. Like, what is the best advice you could give them to tell them, hey, it's not over? Like, what is the best thing you could tell them? They want to change their life around. They want to make a difference. What's the best advice you could tell them? Yeah. So number one, I say this whenever I speak, and I mean this to to just the bottom of my heart. Reach out. Reach out to somebody because you know i'm like Juan was saying earlier when you're when you're struggling people tend to sometimes turn their backs but not everybody you know and it's easy to feel alone i did when i was at my worst i felt completely alone but when you feel alone that's when it unfortunately statistics show you you make the worst mistake you can and that's when you decide to to end it all so reach out somebody will be there if there if you truly don't think there's anybody in your life and and i don't agree with you again from being there but if you truly feel that way reach out to me reach out to Juan. somebody will be there to listen to you we have a saying in this business i'd rather spend two hours listening to you today than two hours attending your funeral tomorrow so please reach out that's literally number one but in terms of actually you know what to do Juan, you said it best man you got to put yourself first. You got to decide I can do this, but it's going to have to start with me because like you said, nobody else is going to give a fuck at least not in the way that you can. So you got to, got to put yourself first. Or like, like I said, when I was at my worst, you got to put yourself on your back. You got to put that next step on your back and decide you're going to do it. 120,000% agree, man. (laughs) And yes, if you hear that, guys, reach out to Jay, reach out to myself. You can reach us. We'll, we'll be here. Long. We'll, like I said, we'll listen to you guys. We'll do our very best advice. You know, you can also, there's great apps out there. You can help out online, better help. There's so many stuff out there, guys. So it's, it's you, you guys are not by yourselves. If no one else picks up, me and Jay will pick up. That's right. We promise that. Me and Jay will pick up and we'll, we'll do whatever we can because we know the struggle and we know there's a better better the grass is green on the other side let's just say and it's not right. better right <laughs> yep that's 100 right well jay man uh getting ready to wrap it up man thank you so much for taking your time here with us man i, I know you're very busy man i want to thank you so much and i'm pretty sure my audience want to thank you as well man and we could we'll applaud you man you know i'll do it you know at least and thank you so much man and for everything you've given us all all the information you shared with us man well, I really appreciate you doing this. Look, man, we we need more people doing this work. And, you know, I tell the story sometimes about how if you work in this line of work, as, as I do as a podcast, you do as a podcaster, at some point, somebody with a degree is going to tell you that you don't belong in this sandbox. It happens to every one of us. It's like it's a rite of passage at this point. Someone's going to tell you, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever the case is. Here's the thing. We as a community are losing hundreds of thousands of people every year to issues of substance misuse and and mental health. Clearly, we're not batting a thousand. Clearly, there's room for more people to be doing this work. We need all hands on deck. So to every person I meet doing this, like you, I say thank you. Thank you. Don't stop. It's so needed and so appreciated. Oh, man. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel exactly the same way. And like I said, just guys, hang strong, hang tight. Like I said, if me and Jay could do it, we're not, we're nobody special. You guys can sure freaking do it, man. You guys can fucking do it. You guys can do it easy. You just got to put your mind to it. Get the cojones on, make them a steal and let's (laughs) go, man. You know, let's go. Just get it. You got to go with an attitude, you know? That's right. 100%. Well, Jay, Ben, I'll let you go, man. I know you got a very busy day. Thank you so much for spending your time, man. This has been a great set, man. Hey, we should do this sometime soon, man. Do it again. Whenever you'll have me, I'll be here. 
Sounds great, my man. Well, thank you so much, guys, for listening, and I'll see you next time on an episode of the Afternoon Chill. Y'all know that I love CBD, and almost since day one of this podcast, I've been lucky enough to be sponsored by Mountain Maid. And while my wife and I swear by their full-spectrum CBD chewables, sometimes at the end of the day, I need just a little bit more to help me relax. So when my wife is joining me, I pull out a Mountain Maid puff, and those are awesome. But when it's just me, they're just a little bit more than what I'm looking for. So what do I do? I throw a couple of hits from Boston Empire into my bowl, and it's the perfect way to end the day. Boston Empire has the finest loose leaf CBD flower and some pretty cool edibles too. So when I add it to everything I'm using from Mountain May, it is the perfect compliment. If you check out Boston Empire using the link in my show notes or my podcast website, you will be helping out the podcast as well as getting some of the finest CBD flower on the market. So check it out today.